episode of the Best of All Possible Podcast. I am your host, Robert Weathers, and as you know, we here in Williamsburg, Virginia, have a love for a very cute puppy named Sheldon. Sheldon! But we also love the weird. We love the unproduced and underproduced, and boy do we love 10-minute plays. And we have a new 10-minute play. Yes, buddy. We have a new 10-minute play here for you every two weeks uh, to be released on... Oh, not, not, not iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, yes, Apple Podcasts uh, for you. So make sure you hit that subscribe button to get one every two weeks. Now, it's not just me reading these plays here. We have a pool of very talented actors who come and read plays with us. And joining us here tonight for the very first time is Neil Holland. Hi, Neil. Welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Neil, Neil uh, has attended uh, our session here before and listen to us, but he's never read for us. So, Neil, I have a question for you. It is tangentially related to the play that we are about to read, which is titled Socratic Frustration, written by Jeff Dunn. So, Neil, my question for you is, have you ever taken a philosophy class or a course? My, my philosophy class was a Socratic frustration. Was it? <laughs> I, I was enjoying it until I got a C on the first paper, and I was kind of a grade grubber back then, and it was, it was very bad. Oh, was no. Really what bad. was the paper about? Do you remember? Uh, it might have actually been about Plato and the cave, which I don't remember what that has to do with anything, except there's a cave. <laughs> watch pictures on the wall, and... I don't know. That's I'm pretty sure word for word what Plato said about that's, the that's game. Pretty much it. Maybe that's what my maybe that's what my paper said. Maybe that's what I got to say. That's, that's right. All right. Well, we're super excited to have you here, and uh, we are going to be reading alongside Neil with Ed Whitaker. Welcome back, Ed. So, Ed, have you have you ever taken a philosophy course? I have never taken a philosophy course. Do you do you identify with any? particular aspect of philosophy i like philosophy i like discussing it i like hearing about it i just never mm -hmm. took a course in it and I, you know and i don't i mean i recognized you know philosophers names and things like that but i couldn't tell you you know would you like to discuss the cave analogy for that neil be, right that now? would be really lots of fun <laughs> <laughs> we're glad to have you back of course and joining us here today it's a boys night yeah, that's right. <laughs> welcome back josie arco <laughs> Now, Joe, I know that you have read a good deal of philosophy, especially surrounding the uh, the Enlightenment period. Yes. Uh, so, what's who's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Um, you know what? Actually, I, I do have a, a favorite. Um, I've recently found that I, I really enjoy David Hume from the 18th century. Um, but this enjoyment and love of philosophy is relatively new for me. I didn't take any uh, classes in college. Um, I'm sure I was involved with some drunken debates uh, in well. college with philosophy majors. Uh, and I have to say my real like beginning with philosophy was uh, a, an artistic film by the name of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And so if I pronounce it Socrates, I apologize right now. <laughs> However, uh, I believe uh, that movie is also partially why I love history and how I ultimately got to philosophy. So, uh, you know, it's not... Uh, Totally, without its purpose there. So spoken I, like a real philosopher, Joe. Totally. Real. Re <laughs> actually, I've actually heard other people say very similar things in terms of their it's sparking their interest in philosophy. So good on you. Hey, thank all you right. I thank you for having a very uh, high-minded and. Uh, uh, 
philosophical question that I took to a Keanu Reeves and George Carlin movie for everyone. There we go. Didn't I ask you about sleepwalking or something the other week, Joe? <laughs> All right. So, gentlemen, welcome aboard. Uh, today, we're going to be reading a play, again, titled Socratic Frustration by Jeff Dunn. Now, for those of you listening at home, this is a cold read. These actors have not laid their eyes upon this script before. As a matter of fact, they don't even know who they're going to play. I'm going to tell them now. So, Ed, if you would be so kind as to play the part of Plato. Oh boy. Neil, if you would please read Mykonos. And Joe, if you would please read Dylan. <laughs> the part I was born to play. I think so. Now, uh, gentlemen and ladies, I will read the stage directions. So without any further ado, Socratic Frustration by Jeff Dunn. The characters are Plato the ancient Greek philosopher, disciple of Socrates, Mykonos, a student of Plato, and Dylan, a millennial who has somehow stepped into ancient Greece. It is a chamber in ancient Greece. Plato is sitting with one of his students, just beginning a discussion on the nature of learning. What I would like to discuss with you today is the approach that my mentor, would use with Xenophon and myself when we were under his tutelage, what I have come to call the Socratic method. A way of thinking. In a sense, but foremost a method of teaching. Rather than simply providing an answer to a question, Socrates would have a student explore it by themselves by asking carefully considered questions. But if the student didn't know about the topic... Socrates believed that through guided exploration, the student would build that knowledge. The questions did not merely direct the student's mind, but provided information as well. I see. And by introducing the knowledge as a question, the student would find it less threatening to their current worldview. In time, his understanding would evolve as new facts demanded a new, more encompassing perspective. There is a knock, and Dylan walks in. Uh, professor, um... He looks at the card in his hand. Play-doh? Play-toe. Right. Play tell. And you are? Dill N. Dill Len? Yeah. D Dylan is. As in Dylan. An unusual name. Yeah. I think my parents are going to call me Luke, but then my cousin was named Luke, and then. I see. Is there something I can do for you, Dylan? Says here. He's indicating to his card. That. You're my prof for introduction to philosophy. I am? Yeah. He looks at Mykonos. Hey, dude. Dude. Mykonos thinks this is a question, but Dylan just thinks he is replying. Are you in this class, too? That That's cool. Cool? What? I'm sorry, but I only accept students that I have chosen. That's total bull. Says right here on my schedule that I'm in the class. Dude, I need this class to graduate. I know I'm a few minutes late, but come on. Don't get all cracked out. Perhaps Dylan could help with understanding the Socratic method that you were describing. Plato thinks about this for a moment, and then nods. Very well. Come in, Dylan. Have a seat. All right. Now, Dylan, today we are going to explore the nature of good and evil. Sure. Whatever. Can you explain the difference? Uh, what difference? The difference between good and evil. Sorry, dude. Uh, did you just cover that? I, 
kind of phased out there for a minute. I didn't cover it. I'm asking you to explain it. How would I know if you didn't already cover it? Just try. Based on your experiences. Can you do that? Uh, sure, uh, I guess. Uh, good is, you know, like, when something really awesome happens. And you're all like, whoa, dude. And evil, well, evil's like really bad. Plato and Mykonos share confused looks. So what makes a given thing good? What? What makes something, whoa, dude? I don't know. It's just what it is. I see. All right. <laughs> Tell me, when you see or experience something good, what is it about that thing that you immediately recognize? I don't follow. What kind of trait would tell you that something is good? Or perhaps, what is it that you feel that implies its goodness? Oh, I don't follow. <laughs> How do you know something's good? What? May I? How do you know something's good, dude? What? Or the try. <laughs> Can you explain to me the difference between good and evil? I'm not following. All right. Let's take an example. Suppose someone in the middle of the night secretly infiltrates his neighbor's lands and steals some chickens from the roost. Is that good or evil? No, oh, no way. <laughs> Your neighbor has chickens? I had a neighbor who had a boa constrictor named Chuckles and like... Dylan, <laughs> Dylan, stay focused. Would that be good or evil? A lot of people give them bum rap, but I don't think snakes are that bad. They're kind Not of... Not the snake. The chickens. Is someone stealing their neighbor's chickens something that is good or is it evil? No way, you have chickens? Dylan! Don't get all huffy, dude. <clears throat> is it good or evil? Getting huffy? I mean, I don't think it's good or evil. Just maybe a little more evil than good, but... Uh... Is this something you planned? Is he some kind of thespian? Who... I wish. Now, Dylan, I want you to listen carefully. Are you listening? I don't hear anything. No. <laughs> listen to me. How do you know... How do you know if something is good? I guess I'd look for some kind of label. How is it that I never understand what he's saying? A label? What do you mean? Like, on a can of soup, where it says, mm-mm, good? A label on a can of soup? Right! You attempt to discern the difference between good and evil by reading it from a can of soup? <laughs> Well, was that the question? You're doing this deliberately, aren't you? What? Are you at all trying to think, even a little? Dude, you can't talk to me that way. I have rights. I pay your salary. What on earth are you talking about? You know, my mom and dad both went to this school. They know the provost. They donate a lot of money here. There's a long pause. Then. Out. What? Out. Get out. This is discrimination. I said... What? It's discrimination. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, why do you say that? 
you're not kicking him out. And you keep asking me questions, but you never ask this dude anything. It's totally discrimination. And is discrimination a good thing or a bad thing? What? Discrimination. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's bad. And how do you know it's bad? It, everybody knows that. But how do you know? Because that's what everybody says. Discrimination is bad. Diversity is good. There are signs up all over. Are you an idiot? Out. You can't. Out. But I need to pass this class to graduate. Fine. You pass. Just get out. You mean it? I pass? Yes, pass. Right through the door. No way. Dylan gathers his stuff and exits, raising himself. Passed it in one day, and they said it was a hard class. After he's gone, Plato and Mykonos stare at each other for a long moment. That was interesting. I suppose you could call it that. So, about the Socratic method... They pack up and begin to exit. Forget about it. Waste of time. Better off just writing out the answers in a can of soup. People can learn that way? Oh, heavens no. It's just faster. Lights out. Hey! <laughs> All right. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to the part of the show where we have a brief discussion about the play that we just read. And Neil, since you are brand new to the show, I'd like to start <laughs> with you. So what I'm going to do is I want to ask you, what are your first impressions of the play? It could be very, as simple as, I like the play, I didn't like the play, anything that stood out to you. What do you think, Neil? Well, this reminds me a lot of the allegory of the cave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know why. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, so did you enjoy the play? I did. It was fun. It was fun. That's... You know, it's kind of how I felt most of the time when I was taking philosophy Philosophy, classes. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Related to Dylan <laughs> over here. <laughs> Mykonos is just nodding at Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it. Awesome. <laughs> Joe, what are your first thoughts of the play? I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad I, I mentioned my Bill and Ted uh, reference You know, earlier, it sure was like, appropriate, wasn't it? <laughs> it it yeah, definitely yeah, felt yes. like that. But, but all of that uh, aside, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think that... Um, there, all joking aside, Neil, I think more people would would sympathize and and uh, associate with Dylan on this because of how thick philosophy can be. At least, if not in its its true form, just in how we look at it and think about it in society, it's very uh -huh. navel gazing. Yeah. So I, I really do kind of enjoy having Plato versus. You know, if not the lesser, but kind of the everyman uh, of this. Um, uh, exchange here going head to head and it seems ultimately like Dylan wins I don't know <laughs> or at least he gets what he wants yeah. in the end right right yeah yeah so uh, Ed what are your first thoughts yeah I, I thought it was fun I mean and not having ever taken a philosophy class I guess what I'm picking up is that you know maybe people do feel like this in a philosophy class it gets into there where you know you're you're being asked all these academic questions or things like to, to, that seem like, well, why should this be so hard to answer? Why uh -huh. should we go into deep at this when I just need this? You know, it should be this simple, you know? So, I mean, I think it's bringing that out. I, I it, it would be fun to play with and, and, uh, and work this out. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite jokes in all of theater is actually from the clouds Aristophanes uh, play the clouds. Mm -hmm. When uh, one of the characters is walking, I believe with Socrates 
through his school and all of the students have their heads buried in the sand and their butts are pointed in the air. And the student <laughs> says, why are all their heads buried in the sand? And, and this re reply from Socrates is, their major is philosophy. And they said, well, why are their butts in the air? And he says, they're minoring in astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to ask you a question here. Um, is Plato the protagonist in this story here? We, we did say that he gets what he wants. In the Plato end. or I'm sorry, not Plato. I'm sorry, Dylan. 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 Is Dylan. Dylan the protagonist in the story here? Well, what do you think, Ed? Yes. No, I mean, oh. now that you're thinking about it, are you going to ask me why I think that? I might. <laughs> Don't Ed, God. Ed, why do you think that? <laughs> I'm afraid of that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think he is a protagonist. Yeah. I mean, if um, yeah, he's a main. He yes, he's getting what he wants, and uh, I mean, it's an interesting way to think of that, and then is. Plato the antagonist, you know, so. I think the other thing that, that is going on with this that is somewhat interesting, as you watch this, um, these basic questions that Plato is asking, you are also, again, Dylan being our, our audience proxy here, mm -hmm. the audience starts thinking, well, can I answer those questions? So if really the purpose of this play, maybe I'm going way, way too deep here, but if the purpose of this play is to get people to kind of say, can I answer those questions? Dylan's total ineptitude of answering those <laughs> questions gets the audience thinking on his behalf, which, you know, when asking whether or not he's the, the protagonist, the purpose of the piece, depending on, on what the playwright was originally after, uh -huh. may be because of uh, uh, Dylan's just, you know, idiocy is helping to kind of have the audience take a few steps uh, forward on his behalf. Well, I, I'm wondering if the, an intent I'm getting out of this play or I'm putting on an interpretation I'm putting on it is just the very idea that wondering if the playwright is commenting on our times now where we're not willing to go we're looking at these things we just want something simple we want something clear in our with our with our own perspective we don't want to worry yeah. about working it out other people's perspectives you know not willing to have a a discussion about it just kind of getting it getting what I want getting out of here not looking at the the consequences, the ramifications, or anything mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I think that's, you could say that's going on in our society right now. Any thoughts about America. that, Neil? Well, I mean, it, it could be the reverse, too. I mean, it, it could be that the, the playwright is thinking of all the people who don't want to have serious thoughts and how uh, essentially annoying they are. So, I mean, right. they're, 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 <laughs> into the, you, you mm -hmm. can relate to either Plato or to Dylan, I think, depending on your perspective. You know? I agree. I, I, I will say, you know, that it is noted in the character description uh, that Dylan is a millennial who somehow mm -hmm. stepped in. But as I think uh, Joe's uh, reference to Bill and Ted points out, it doesn't necessarily need to be a millennial. I mean, that fit into Gen X pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, I think that Dylan is just a dumb kid <laughs> and it doesn't really make any difference Uh one way or the other, as long as, you know, as long as it's believable that this kid is in a college class that he has to pass, it doesn't necessarily mean matter what generation he is. Yeah, uh, think, would you agree with that? Is it a comment on that? Is it a comment on? I think it, there's a comment on a, a generational gap. And, and I, I, going back to what Neil said also sparked something. I, I think that the argument for Plato being the protagonist is a bit stronger. I think to make Dylan the protagonist, we could have very easily had a moment where he tells a story about Chuckles the boa constrictor uh, <laughs> that actually, uh -huh. you know, somehow illuminates, you know, Plato's cave in a way that, that he hadn't thought of before. So we see this total Fair adult enough. running against how Plato was 
trying to teach it and instead kind of goes off on his own little tangent where he proves that he can be philosophical in his thought and worldview. He just needs to process it through his millennial or, you know, 1980s stoner surfer college um, kind of uh, mentality and, and life view. So I think that that thought made me kind of come back and maybe agree with Neil that Plato's the stronger yeah. uh, protagonist. Mm-hmm. Neil? I was also thinking that Plato rhymes with potato. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Why do you think that, Neil? Why did, that, what did you go It's funny, you know, I, I, I have to say, because just, just because we brought up the cave a few times here, uh, I have to say that I think Dylan is pretty well satisfied in the cave. And so, you know, if, if you're listening at home, and I am no philosophy major here, but if you're listening at home, my understanding of the analogy of the cave, or the allegory of the cave, is that we, in looking at what we think is the real world, are actually looking at shadows on a cave wall of the real world that is, that we, that is outside of our view. And that is behind us. So we are looking at the imperfect. We are looking at, you know, just snippets, basically, of what really exists uh, so that's you know essentially the allegory and, of the cave. And the extension that Plato goes on with that is that if someone got out of that cave and ever glimpsed the the reality, the the real true form of something, that when they came back into the cave and explained it to the rest of those who had never left, they would never be believed. Mm-hmm. They would never be accepted. They would never be able to reach that level. So mm-hmm. again, we and for Plato, philosophers were those ones who left and came back. So this really is a reiteration of a philosopher <laughs> trying to to bring those who are still happily in the cave to see the larger forms who will just not have just did not work (laughs) that's right i think i'd love to take a philosophy class and we've said dude enough in this that i and and we're talking about people who are dumb so i think uh dude where's my car should at least be mentioned once (laughs) in this (laughs) the the, uh or um plato's cave of modern age really and an allegory in its own right that is deep joe thank you that's great (laughs) thank you well thank you so much gentlemen for for this awesome conversation (laughs) i really actually i'm sad to say enjoyed it um but i want to make sure that we thank jeff dunn for his awesome play socratic frustration And, of course, we want to thank Neil Hollins, Josie Arco, and Ed Whitaker for coming and reading with us here today. And we want to make sure we thank the sound techs who shall not be named. Very mysterious. <laughs> if you enjoy... Oh, <laughs> thank you, Ed. <laughs> no, I'm the sound tech. I know, I know. Oh. I know, I know. Yay, sound techs. Okay, if you enjoyed what you heard, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you want to find out, if you want to uh, follow us on Facebook, you certainly can. We are on Facebook at Panglossian Productions. We're also on Facebook at the Best of All Possible Podcast. If you are interested in what we're doing at Panglossian Productions on our main stage season, make sure you visit us at www.panglossian.org. That's right, Sheldon. You let them know. Say goodbye, Sheldon. <laughs> ah, I knew that wasn't going to work. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.